The views expressed on this broadcast of the Take 12 Recovery Radio Show do not necessarily reflect those of KHLT Recovery Broadcasting or its affiliates. KHLT and Take12Radio.com are not affiliated with any particular 12-step fellowship. Welcome to Walking Through the Big Book with Chris Schroeder and Monty Meyer. And now, here's those two guys who investigate prior to contempt, Chris and the Monty Man. Welcome. Welcome. Gather around. Gather around the hutch, the fireplace, or whatever it is you do do when you tune into this show. Welcome to Walking Through the Big Book with Chris Schroeder and uh, and myself, the Monty Man, or Monty Manic, whatever you want to call me these days. Today I'm feeling pretty doggone manic uh, because I had my first cup of coffee that I've had in about five days. So maybe maybe that has something to do with it. Chris, how the heck are you, bud? I'm doing great, Monty. How are you? I'm I'm doing fabulous, and I hope it's just not the caffeine talking. At least it's not the booze talking, huh? <laughs> that is one good thing we can be very grateful for, Monty. Yes, amen to that. Amen to that. And uh, I I do want to mention to um, to the listeners. Uh, before we get into the show, I just want to give a plug to the 12-Step Music Fest. Uh, we will be there uh, with bells on at the 12-Step Music Fest, and that is November. That's just coming up in a couple weeks, November 5th through the 8th. Uh, Take 12 Radio will be there. We'll be there with our booth, along with our brand-new member of the Take 12 family, Leon Lilly, recovery comedian. And uh, he will be doing uh, – we're actually going to be airing a show with Leon uh, once a week, all surrounded around recovery and comedy. And so I just want to let you guys know that if you're going to the 12-Step Music Fest, it is at Sugarloaf Key, mile marker 20, and it's just going to be a blast. The whole campground is closed off to the general public. It's just for those of us in recovery and our guests, and it's just going to be a heck of a thing. Over 25 different recording artists uh, that are in recovery or, or are specifically recovery recording artists will be there. This is our second year. Uh, last year, uh, Dale went in my place I was, because I was so sick this year. I'm going to be there uh, uh, again with or with Leon. And I just encourage you all to come to the booth, talk to us. We're going to be doing some interviews uh, right there at the booth. So there that is there. That's the plug for the 12-Step Music Fest. You can go to 12stepmusicfest.com. Uh, and uh, you can get your tickets there and get all sorts of information. And we're going to be having 12-step meetings out on the water. And I don't mean on a boat on the water. I mean in the water. <laughs> so that's going to be a kick. Hey, you got to try something new every once in a while. So there's that there. Yeah. The other thing that we've been doing, and we just started actually last, last uh, show, is uh, we're having a book of the week, a recovery book, a recovery-oriented book, or information on uh, on 
your mainstream 12-step fellowships, and different things like that. And we've got a book of the week thing, and we post it right there on the site, right where you're listening to this interview right now, unless you're on a portable device. And it has a link to Amazon where you can pick up that book. And when you do that, uh, a portion of the uh, proceeds from that book come to Take 12 Radio to keep this show on the air uh, if you actually purchase the book. And here's the key. Folks, if you go to, to, to that link, you will see how many new books are available and how many used books are available of those books. The used books are new. <laughs> so that's one of the best-kept secrets in the world. Uh, so, you know, if you think one price is too much, go to the used book thing. It's just that some of them are not in their cellophane packages, and that's really the only difference. So with that in mind, Chris, what is the book for this week? What I'd like to recommend this uh, week, Monty, is a book called The Road to Fellowship. It's a book that was writ- written by Richard DeBeal, and it's basically about the role of the Emanuel Movement and the Jacoby Club in the development of Alcoholics Anonymous. The Emanuel Movement and the jo- Jacoby Club were both founded in Boston at the, at the start of, of, of uh, the 1900s, uh-huh. and they were enormously popular, and they had about 30 years of impressive success in treating alcohol, alcoholics uh, because, of their, uh, because of the influence of the, the Boston AA and a man named Rich, uh, Richard Walker, uh, Richmond Walker. Um, a lot of the Emanuel Movement and Jacoby Club stuff um, uh, kind of became part of uh, the Alcoholics Anonymous philosophy. Monty, you know the 24 Hours a Day book, right, that's, that's been around yes. uh, in the rooms for a long, long time. It's the small, little, black uh, meditation book. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That was written by uh, Richmond Walker, who, who um, was a very, very early AA uh, around 19, uh, you know, back in the back in the 40s. And he was heavily influenced by the Jacoby Club and you know, Roland Hazard and Richard right. Peabody and a lot of other people. So anyway, um, you know, go to the link on uh, on the website and check this out. If you're at all interested in uh, the historical roots of Alcoholics Anonymous and how uh, the, the the spiritual recovery processes, you know, where they came from, this is a this is an interesting book. Good, good going. And this is the road to fellowship, the role of the Emanuel Movement and the Jacoby Club in the development of Alcoholics Anonymous. And the author is Richard, and I'm going to pronounce his name wrong. What, how do you pronounce his name? I think it's Dubiel. Dubiel, you know, uh, Richard Dubiel. Okay, great. It's paperback, and uh, enjoy, friends. All right, we finished up the last time with We Agnostics, and uh, we have been getting uh, uh, quite a few emails in, uh, just people, uh, Chris, that are just really enjoying this show. Just, and, and I've even had heard statements like, I've never looked at it this way before. This is the first time I've been able to actually sit down and actually enjoy a, a book study. One lady emailed and said, I'm so glad to be able to tune in, listen to this, and not, peop- and not listen to people argue. <laughs> <laughs> so we are now moving into Chapter 5, The Beloved, How It Works. Absolutely. Let, let me start with, by, by pre- prefacing all this yeah. with uh, Bill wrote in some of, his, uh, some of his writings about how this chapter uh, started. He had gathered a bunch of stories. He had written, uh, he'd written four, um, four chapters of the book uh, prior to this, assembled it all, you know, passed it back and forth to the different, group, the different groups in Akron and uh, New York, uh, gotten a lot of uh, input on it, 
but it was time. He re- he recognized it was time. He he had said we're, we're going to show precisely how we have recovered uh, from a hopeless state of mind and body, and he knew it was about time that he needed to start listing out precisely how we have recovered. Mm-hmm. And then he had a little bit of trepidation about this. He knew how important uh, it was going to be that he get this right. He needed to basically uh, combine uh, uh, um, uh, the experience of the first 100 into, uh, into a process or a program that people could follow in book form. Now, up to, up to him starting Chapter 5, the steps per se did not exist. They, they existed as uh, tenants uh, or precepts of the Oxford group. Mm-hmm. They, uh, they existed in you know, spiritual exercises that many, if not all, of the early uh, AAs uh, uh, had, had performed and practiced in their lives. But it hadn't been put. Um, it hadn't been put down on paper. Now he tells the story about he was he was in bed. He was suffering from one of his his many bouts of depression. And, you know, a lot of times he just wouldn't get out of bed all day long. Uh, back back in those days, there was a lot of pressure on him. Uh, I, I do think he probably was a, a clinical sufferer of depression. And he he just he put a you know he put a pad and a and a pencil. Uh, on his lap while he was laying in bed, and he kind of asked for a little bit of inspiration, you know, uh, probably something like, yeah, God, I, you know, please help me get this right. Uh, I need to lay out, uh, lay out the path toward you uh, for, for these alcoholics to follow, and, uh, you know, give me some inspiration. Yeah. And the story he tells is the pen just started moving across the paper. And he kind he kind of came out of this this very very deep process where he he wasn't really uh, uh, conscious of, uh, of 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 much, and he he realized that it had only been you know five or ten or fifteen minutes, and he looked down on the page and he saw uh, how it works. He he saw what gets read in a lot of the fellowship meetings. Wow! Mark, what I would like to do is I would like to read it as it was written not as it was edited and put into the first edition of the big book, but I'd like to read it to you in manuscript form. And the reason for that is that there's some differences in, in uh, you know, every, everyone that's ever been to, uh, uh, to, to uh, 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 you know, the support groups that use the book Alcoholics Anonymous uh, are familiar with how it works. It gets read at, at a lot of meetings. But, but not many people have heard it in manuscript form. So I'm going to read this uh, as it was written in 1938 uh, by Bill Wilson as he was putting the book um, Alcoholics Anonymous together. And what I'll do is when there's changes or when there's differences between uh, what the first edition uh, actually published this as uh-huh. and the original manuscript, I'll try to change my voice a little bit, but most people will pick up on it. Okay. Rarely have we seen a person fail who has thoroughly followed our directions. Those who do not recover are people who cannot or will not completely give themselves to this simple program, usually men and women who are constitutionally incapable of being honest with themselves. There are such unfortunates. They are not at fault. They seem to have been born that way. They are naturally incapable of grasping and developing a way of life which demands rigorous honesty. Their chances are less than average. There are those, too, who suffer from grave emotional and mental disorders, but many of them do recover if they have the capacity to be honest. 
Our stories disclose in a general way what we used to be like, what happened, and what we are like now. If you have decided you want what we have and are willing to go to any length to get it, then you are ready to follow directions. At some of these, you may balk. You may think you can find an easier, softer way. We doubt if you can. With all the earnestness at our command, we beg of you to be fearless and thorough from the very start. Some of us have tried to hold on to our old ideas, and the result was nil until we let go absolutely. Remember that you are dealing with alcohol, cunning, baffling, powerful. Without help, it is too much for you. But there is one who has all power. That one is God. You must find him now. Half measures will avail you nothing. You stand at the turning point. Throw yourself under his protection and care with complete abandon. Now we think you can take it. Here are the steps we took which are suggested as your program of recovery. One, admitted we were powerless over alcohol, that our lives had become unmanageable. Two, came to believe that a power greater than ourselves could restore us to sanity. Three, made a decision to turn our will and our lives over to the care and direction of God as we understood him. Four, made a searching and fearless moral inventory of ourselves. Five, admitted to God, to ourselves, and to another human being the exact nature of our wrongs. Six, we're entirely willing that God remove all these defects of character. Seven, humbly, on our knees, asked him to remove our shortcomings, holding nothing back. Eight, made a list of all persons we had harmed and became willing to make complete amends to them all. Nine, made direct amends to such people wherever possible, except when to do so would injure them or others. Ten, continue to take personal inventory, and when we were wrong, promptly admitted it. Eleven, sought through prayer and meditation to improve our contact with God, praying only for knowledge of his will for us and the power to carry that out. Twelve, having had a spiritual experience as the result of this course of action, we tried to carry this message to others, especially alcoholics, and to practice these principles in all our affairs. You may exclaim, what an order, I can't go through with it. Do not be discouraged. No one among us has been able to maintain anything like perfect adherence to these principles. We are not saints. The point is that we are willing to grow along spiritual lines. The principles we have set down are guides to progress. We claim spiritual progress rather than spiritual perfection. Our description of the alcoholic the chapter to the agnostic and our personal adventure, adventures before and after have been designed to sell you three pertinent ideas. A, that you are alcoholic and cannot manage your own life. B, that probably no human power can relieve your alcoholism. C, that God can and will. If you are not convinced on these vital issues, you ought to reread the book to this point or else throw it away. If you are convinced, you are now at step three, which is that you may make a decision to turn your will and your life over to God as you understand him. Just what do we mean by that, and just what do we do? Okay, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to stop there. Uh, Monty, isn't that an interesting... <laughs> aren't, wow. Aren't changes in that interesting? Uh, extremely interesting. Um, can you say what C was again in the ABCs, that God what? That God can and will. 
can and will. It doesn't even have if he were sought in there. Right, right. But that he can and he will. That and, and then the rest of it. Yeah, what amazing stuff. I'm 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 trying to write quickly. So when we go off the air, I'm going to have you email me that because. Oh um, sure. I knew I was aware of some of those, but not uh, not that much. Wow. You know, it's very, very interesting to study the original manuscript. You can get the original manuscript from anonymous press. Uh, there's there's a number of places that uh, uh, that you can track it down at. Uh, I've got a copy of Clarence Snyder's actual uh, uh, an actual uh, photocopy of Clarence Snyder. He was uh, the the man who started uh, uh, the third AA group in in uh, Cleveland, Ohio. I have a copy of his. Uh, but uh, it, it's available. You, you can find these. And why I like to look at the original manuscript is the original manuscript is what the alcoholics put together. Bill Wilson and the alcoholics put together. The manuscript was then passed around uh, to the different, uh, uh, you know, different friends in religion, uh, psychiatry and uh, medicine, mm-hmm. and some editorial people. And what came back was uh, a lot of suggestions to the manuscript. And one of them was, is, Bill, you've got to stop saying you, you, you. Why don't you say this is what we did instead of this is what you have to do? Uh-huh. Now, now why, I, why I like, you know, <laughs> being kind of, kind of uh, uh, directed a little bit more than, uh, than told what someone else did is it hits you a little bit harder, you know. I, I think I think that the the alcoholic experience is cl- closer uh, closer to uh, the original manuscript than it is the book Alcoholics Anonymous because a lot of the suggestions uh, to make editorial changes were or, you know were put in put into practice and and that reflected uh, the the first edition of the book reflected those changes so if you if you really want to dig into the big book uh, put a big book on the left hand side of your desk an original manuscript on the right and just check out the changes because they're incredibly interesting uh, there's whole paragraphs that are missing from the big book that were in uh, the original manuscript right right and you know I find it I find it interesting because we out of one corner of our mouth we we say, <clears throat> you know, we need to be hard on ourselves and, you know, shut up and sit down and listen and, and we get kind of harsh sometimes. And the other side of our, our, our mouth, we're saying, well, we don't want to offend anybody. You know, we don't want to make it to where people will leave, you know. <laughs> and Let's I think it's so soft and touchy-feely yeah. that no one will feel uncomfortable and they'll all die. Yeah, you know if they're out exactly, ball. exactly. You know that that's a that's a good thing. And, to and you know what's so funny, Chris, is that we start out being all cuddly and everything else, but you know, usually if we're sponsoring somebody, we we usually end up um, at some point saying, "Look, it, you either got to do this or you don't." I mean, we we end we end up at some point in our relationship with our sponsor, your sponsors, you know, getting a little firm, don't we? You know, this is this is my this is my belief on you know proper etiquette. Uh, you know, in uh, in a support group, it, it's basically you don't want to shame anybody. That's right. You don't want to demean anybody. Uh, you know, some of the confrontational techniques of your really have been shown to not work. Like shut up and sit down, yeah. stupid. You know, <laughs> take the cotton out of your ears and shove it in your mouth. You know, uh, maybe there's a time and a place for that. But I, I've got to tell you personally, I was so demoralized and so shamed, and and my uh, my esteem was so shot 
because of alcoholism. I didn't need somebody else doing that. Exactly. That doesn't mean that we shield people from the truth. Right. We just have to treat them in a compassionate, respectful way while we're sharing the there truth you go. to them. You know? There you go. And, and listen, you know, you're, you're going to probably die if you don't uh, if you don't turn your will and your life over to the care of God, you you can't manage your life. You need to fire your manager. You you, you need to uh, uh, learn how to deal with life under new management mm-hmm. uh, management through through a higher power. And if you don't do that, you're probably going to die. I, I mean, you know, uh, if we're afraid to say that to people, it would basically uh, it would it would basically be like. You know, telling somebody who's come into the emergency room at the hospital, uh, you know, well, if you if you feel like going into the operating room later, you know, we, <laughs> we'll we'll go ahead and you know we'll take that bullet out of your abdomen, but we want to make sure that you feel comfortable with everything first. You know, no, just put them on a gurney and get and <laughs> get, get them in into there. the operating room. You know, uh, you, you don't have to be disrespectful or shaming uh, to do that. But but I, personally, I don't want to be guilty of not uh, telling somebody the truth. I, you know, would you would you rather step on somebody's feelings or step on their grave? Uh, is is really the question? And it, and if you hold back some of the hard truths of the twelve step recovery program, you you can be you know you they can like you more, <laughs> but they're going to end up being dead, you know. So, right. so there's there's a balance. There's a, a balance that has to be met, they, I think, with uh, with the attitudes that uh, that go on in support groups. There's a man I respect very highly, Dr. James Dobson, who says, when you're disciplining your children, you don't need to scream at them. All you need to do is tell them what the consequences are if they do this. You don't have to scream it. And then you just follow through, you know. And so I don't think we we need to scream and yell at at, at each other. Um, all we have to do is say, "Hey, look, A plus B equals C." Then are we going to do the math or are we not? And there you go, you know. And uh, I I mean I get it I get it loud and clear. But my sponsor says, "Hey, hey, Mont, remember when you told me I had permission to call you on your stuff?" Yes. Well, you might want to rethink what you're about to do. See, I can I can handle that, and he's right in my face with it at the same time. Uh, you know, one of my mentors early on was very, very easy on me. He knew I had had very, very sensitive alcoholic feelings, and you know, he he didn't want uh, to to be shaming in any way. Uh, but he knew he had to get across uh, get across some hard truths to me. And he did that with as much compassion as as possible. But sometimes when I was just really dense and really just not getting it, you know, he he would he would come he would come at me a, a, in a little bit stronger way. Uh-huh. But it ended up that that individual was, was probably the perfect person for me in year yeah. in year one. You bet. Now I'm gonna I'm gonna go back through this. There's so much depth and weight to this message of how it works. Uh, I'm I'm back in the fourth edition now. Uh, but I'm going to go through this again uh, and uh, just just uh, add some commentary okay. uh, to some of it. Rarely have we seen a person fail who has thoroughly followed our path. Now, that, that's an important statement. Rarely have we seen a person who has thoroughly followed our path. The people that did the things that they talk about in this book were still sober at that point in time. Those who do not recover are people who cannot or will not completely give themselves to this simple program. Uh, it's a simple program. There are people who 
cannot or will not. I like how he says that. He, he doesn't. He doesn't. It's it's a non-judgmental uh, way of looking at it. Right. The people who don't make it, who are exposed to this, uh, don't, that don't make it, either cannot or will not give themselves to this simple program. What's scary today is there's a lot of twelve-step fellowships where no one is really offered the simple program. It's not explained to them. Mm-hmm. It, it, they're they're basically um, they're basically being led to believe that it's a meeting dependent uh, uh, sobriety that, right. that they're that they're being led into. Like how you know if, if you're if you keep going to a whole lot of meetings all the time, you're going to be okay. Uh, that's not what they did uh, back in the old back in the old days. No. So what they did was they offered you the simple program, and either you could not or would not um, uh, work that program, mm-hmm. and those people who would usually fail. Uh, the ones that are uh, constitutionally incapable of being honest with themselves. And I've thought a lot about that. What, what type of honesty? Is he talking about cash register honesty? I think he's talking about uh, about looking at step one. I mean, have you really been honest with yourself about step one? Are you powerless over alcohol? Do you get the, the mental obsession? Do you get the physical craving when you, when you drink? Uh, have you looked at and and uh, is there a serious buy-in on your part as far as the unmanageability in your life? If you're if you're constitutionally capable of being honest with step one, there's really nowhere else to go except this simple program, because nothing else you've ever tried has worked, obviously, or you wouldn't be at this point. Right. So uh, there are such unfortunates; they are not at fault. They seem to be born that way. They are naturally incapable of grasping and developing a manner of living, which demands rigorous honesty. Their chances are less than average. Then he talks about people with grave emotional and mental disorders, and you know today you see a huge amount of what's what's known as co-occurring disorders in uh, alcoholism recovery or drug addiction recovery. Uh, it's it's become incredibly easy uh, for people who uh, are on their way down the scale uh, to get in front of professionals who uh, can either accurately or inaccurately diagnose them for uh, for mental disorders. There's uh, every year that goes by. There's a higher percentage of people uh, in the in the uh, support groups uh, that are on psychiatric medications. You know, and basically what it says in here is. Many of them do recover if they have the capacity to be honest, and 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 I see that. Uh, I I see anybody uh, who's willing to be honest enough about step one, and uh, uh, persevering and painstaking enough to move uh, from step two to step twelve recover, uh, almost irregardless of uh, of other conditions in their life. Mm-hmm. Our stories disclose in a general way what we used to be like, what happened, and what we're like now. He's talking about the stories in the back of the book. If you have decided you want what we have and are willing to go to any length to get it, then you are ready to take certain steps. Um, Willing to go to any length. A lot of times what you'll hear is, kid, are you willing to go to any lengths? And that question is being asked before what any links looks like is being offered to the individual. Mm. Do you understand what I mean? Yes, I do. And, and there's been a lot of abuses about this. I just heard yesterday about uh, about uh, this this person who was working with somebody and you know made him do something incredibly humiliating. You know, if you want to work with me, you're going to do this. And, and it was in, I'm not even going to share it. It was incredibly 
incredibly humiliating. Mm-hmm. And the person did it. And you know, when when the, when they when they got up, uh, the, the person said, "Well, you know, now I know you're really willing to go to any lengths, mm, brother." You know, <laughs> those type of those type of abuses uh, are, are are not really helpful. The confrontational uh, type of tactics are not not really yeah. the greatest way uh, uh, to go. Um, you know, if willing to go to any length, you kind of understand in the chapter working with others. The first thing you're supposed to do is leave this book with your prospect. Have them read this book. So when you ask somebody what links are they willing to go to any links, they know what any links looks like. It looks like the instructions in this book. Are you willing to do those things? If you're willing to do those things, then you are ready to take certain steps. And some of these we bought. I know I had a hard time with five, and I had a hard time with nine, and you know, uh, it, it, it was like a, it was a process for me uh, to get to get ready. And you know, one of the amazing things that I've found is each step gives you the power to take the next one. I do a lot of talking in treatment centers and, and places like that, Monty. And you know, when you're talking about step nine, everybody's got this look on their face. Uh, you know. Excuse me. They've got this look on their face, like I could never do that. Uh, you know, that's out of the question. Yeah. And what I try to explain to them is, is uh, of course you don't think you can do this step right now. You don't have the power to do this step right now. Uh, you get the power from steps one through eight. So you know, don't write this step off yet, just because you don't have the power currently to do it. You need you need to do this one step at a time. Um, a lot of us. Um, a lot of us think that we can find an easier, softer way. Uh, I'll tell you what, you know, most people that come into 12-step uh, support groups today uh, don't do a full buy-in, you know, don't work the steps, uh, mm-hmm. don't become of service in that group. And they're really looking for an easier, softer way. They're, they're, at best, they're looking for a meeting-dependent type of sobriety. You know, at, at worst, they think that this is just not for me. I'm not really into this. Uh, this group is, you know, crazy. Everybody's, you know, talking about their problems, and I, I can't see how this could help me. And they're going to they're gonna go back out, and they're going to go continue to look for ways to, uh, you know, ways to get their life put back in order uh, that, uh, that, that don't have anything to do with the, with the meeting rooms. And a lot of times that's uh, a lot of times that's uh, the, the fault of the of the fellowship. There, there are some really really bad uh, uh, fellowship meetings uh, out there, Monty. I mean, you know, every once in a while you hear, "Never been to a bad meeting." Well, I got to tell you, I have. I have too. And, yeah. And, uh, and you know, there's some there's some meetings that it's it's like a bad Bob Newhart show. You know, where everybody goes around the room and talks about their problems and their dysfunction and updates everybody, uh, you know, about about the issue issue de jour. And you gotta you gotta consider the newcomer. If a newcomer comes in there and thinks, well, how is how is talking with other people about you know very personal problems in my life going to help me? You know, the newcomer's right. <laughs> you know, it's really not. Uh, there's there's a there's a deeper uh, there's a deeper um, methodology uh, to um, uh, to twelve step recovery than just sitting around and talking about your problems. Um, with all the earnestness at our command, we beg of you to be fearless and thorough from the very start. Uh, fearless, you know, trust in God that you can get through this process. Thorough, 
you know, that, that, that little voice in your head that's going to tell you you don't need to do this, don't listen to that little voice. You know, you need to be fearless and thorough. Yeah. Some of us have tried to hold on to our old ideas, and the result was nil until we let go. Absolutely. Uh, you know, somebody pointed this out to me the other day. He said, Chris, it tells you to let go of your old ideas. It doesn't tell you to let go of your bad old ideas. It tells you to let go of your old ideas. That means all of them. So even if you think you have a good idea, you know, you may not be right. So right. so you need to let go of uh, of how you think everything uh, runs to be open to a new experience and to some new direction. And isn't that because, really, because when we come in, <clears throat> we are so befogged and, and, and so forth that we may have some really good ideas and we may be right about many of them, but... The way it was explained to me was, all right, you need to, my sponsor says, put them in this imaginary box, give them to me, and the ones you were right with, well, you're right, you'll are right. you be right with. But you, you don't want to go into this thing thinking that you're right about all this stuff because you just, you just don't know. You're too messed up right now. And, uh, I mean, that, that's kind of how it was, it was explained to me because I fought against that because there was stuff, Chris. It was like... There are certain things I know I'm right about. Now, there, some of those things, you bet, I was. Some of them I wasn't. And how are you really going to know which one those are? You know, the, the best possible atmosphere to be in for learning is to be open-minded. Mm-hmm. You know, so I really think what it's doing is it's pointing us to please be open-minded about even things that you disagree about. Just be open-minded enough to consider them. Yep. Be, because, you know, if, if, if your mind or your, way, or your, your personal philosophy or... Uh, your management, life management skills were going to get you out of trouble, they would have done so by now. So, yeah. <laughs> so we need to be open to uh, some, some new direction. It says, remember that we deal with alcohol, cunning, baffling, powerful, and it certainly is. Without help, it is too much for us, but there is one who has all power, that one is God. May you find him now. Half measures availed us nothing. We stood at the turning point. We asked his protection and care with complete abandon. Here are the steps we took, which are suggested as a program of recovery. Remember, these are not suggestions. These 12 steps are a suggested program of recovery. Right. If you don't want to do these steps, what are you doing in a 12-step fellowship? This is the program of recovery for the 12-step fellowship. Why are you here if, if you don't want to go through all 12 steps? It doesn't make any sense at all. Uh, I think I said uh, the, the other week it's, it'd be like joining Oprah's book club and, and refusing to read any of the books but wanting to discuss them. Yeah. You, you know, yeah. would that make any sense? <laughs> to some people, I guess it does. I could never figure that one out. If, if you don't like this suggested program of recovery, uh, you should probably go somewhere else. And, and not take up a seat in a 12-step fellowship because you're just going to be um, you're just you're just going to be part of the problem and not part of the solution. Right. And you know people die uh, people die who don't get exposed to a solution. Uh, it's it's life and death. One, we admit we were powerless over alcohol that our lives have become unmanageable. There was tons of material in the chapters up to this point uh, that gave you the information you need to find your own truth about this. Um, 
too, came to believe that a power greater than ourselves could restore us to sanity. Uh, there was a lot in, you know, we spent three weeks, Monty, going through We Agnostics, and uh, I think we dug pretty deep into that. And we talked about the restoration of sanity. We talked about putting life under new management. We, we talked about the healing power of God. Mm-hmm. Three, made a decision to turn our will and our lives over to the care of God as we understood him. This is the step that's coming up. Four, made a searching and fearless moral inventory of ourselves. Five, admitted to God, to ourselves, and to another human being the exact nature of our wrongs. Six, we're entirely ready to have God remove all these defects of character. Seven, humbly asked him to remove our shortcomings. Eight, made a list of all persons we had harmed and became willing to make amends to them all. Nine, made direct amends to such people wherever possible. I like that. Wherever, not whenever possible, wherever possible. Mm. Except you always hear whenever. It's, it says wherever, and there's a big difference. Yeah. Wherever possible, except when to do so would injure them or others. Continue to continue to take personal inventory, and when we were wrong, promptly admitted it. So through prayer and meditation, to improve our conscious contact with God as we understood Him, praying only for knowledge of His will for us and the power to carry that out. Twelve, having had a spiritual awakening as the result of these steps, we tried to carry this message to alcoholics and to practice these principles in all our affairs. I'm just going to hang with step twelve here for a minute. All right. Monty. Having had a spiritual awakening as the result of these steps, we tried to carry this message to alcoholics. So what is the message that you're supposed to carry? You're supposed to carry the message of the spiritual awakening as the result of the 12 steps. Uh, That's the message. That's a message of depth and weight. You know, there's a lot of messages that are going on all over support groups. Yeah. You know, keep keep coming back. You know, I, I mean, you could go on and on and on with these messages. And uh, it's not that they're necessarily bad in, of, in and of themselves, but the, the, the good can sometimes be the enemy of the best. And, you know, if you want to really know what the treatment for alcoholism is, or I would even say uh, drug addiction or any any addictive illness, uh, uh, what the treatment is, is having had a spiritual awakening as a result of these steps is what the treatment is. Yeah, that's good. Uh, uh, We tried to carry this message to alcoholics and to practice these principles in all our our affairs. Many have explained what an order, I can't go through with it. Do not be discouraged. No one, no one among us has been able to maintain anything like perfect adherence to these <coughs> principles. We are not saints. The point is that we are willing to grow along spiritual lines. You always need to be willing to grow along spiritual lines. That, I have found, is essential for this process. You need to be on the spiritual path. If, if you place yourself in God's hands and you get on the spiritual path, you're going to be okay. There are going to be ta- there are going to be times when you're in the barrel. There are going to be times when you're really going through some stuff. You're going to be in pain, but you're going to be fine if you if you stay uh, stay in God's hands and stay on the spiritual path and don't give up. You talk to any spiritual master, uh, uh, any of the Buddhists, the you know the the Christian mystics. The Sufi masters, you talk to any of them, and they talk about a period uh, called the dark night of the soul, or the cloud of unknowing. And these are periods on the spiritual journey where things become very difficult, and you, have to, you start to have a lot of self-doubt. Uh-huh. You start to think that maybe this isn't working. 
you know, may, maybe this is the wrong way for me. You know, uh, uh, I, I should be better than I am right now. These are, uh, these are just signposts on the spiritual path, and, and they're basically telling you you're heading in the right direction. You just need to keep going. Let me, let me ask you a question here, um, and I hear this so much. I, I see if you do, too. I hear the phrase, progress, not perfection. That's what I hear people say. What I seldom hear them say is what it says, that we claim spiritual progress rather than spiritual perfection. And I think they're two different things, don't you? Yes, uh, there's, you know, people misquote uh, all, all the time, and uh, it, it, you know, uh, there probably would be no problems in the 12-step fellowships if you had informed group members with experience with recovery. If that's all that were in the rooms, uh, you know, uh, uh, the, the, the recovery rates would shoot back up to 70, 90 percent. <laughs> but that's not what you have. You have a lot of people who've uh, gone to a million meetings and listened to a lot of wisdom teachings and, and throw out trite little sayings every five minutes that have little or no uh, uh, direct relationship to a recovery program. But when it says spiritual progress rather than spiritual perfection, you know, spiritual progress is, is all you're going to ever get. You're never going to get spiritual perfection. If you know anything about the spiritual life, uh, uh, perfection is, is, uh, is, is really not, not something that you're ever going to want to claim. If you claim that, then, then you've lost your humility. And if there's no humility, there's really no spiritual progress, if that makes any sense. Yes, it does. Our description of the alcoholic, the chapter to the agnostic, and our personal adventures before and after make clear three pertinent ideas. The description, uh, uh, um, the description of the alcoholic, you can find that in more about alcoholism, and uh, uh, there is a solution. The mm -hmm. chapter to the agnostic is we agnostics. Our personal adventures before and after are the stories at the back of the book. If you read those things they're going to make clear three pertinent ideas. A, that we were alcoholic and could not manage our own lives. B, that probably no human power could have relieved our alcoholism. C, that God could and would if you were sought. These are the ABCs. And if you take these ABCs at all literally, at all seriously, uh, they really point uh, in, the, in the correct direction for the spiritual life. You cannot manage your own life on your own willpower without without trying to uh, integrate your actions into what you think God would have you uh, do or be. You're going to be managing your life uh, on a selfish basis. If you if you do that, um, it's selfishness and self-centeredness is the root of uh, the alcoholic's problem. Mm -hmm. It's the it's the it's the root of uh, all spiritual illness. It's the root of your alcoholic illness. So if you could have done a better job on your own, you probably would have by now. So you need to consider switching managers. Yeah. B, that probably no human power could have relieved our alcoholism. Let's talk about human powers for a minute, Monty. What are, what are some human powers that cannot, uh, cannot relieve you of your alcoholism? Uh, my sponsor, the meeting. Right. The, the, the meeting of a collective amount of people, because whether it's one or 25, it's the same thing. Your uh, psychiatrist. Your psychiatrist, uh, you know, your pastor, I, your rabbi. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. You, you know, uh, uh, your fortune teller. Your fortune teller, yeah. 
none none of these none of these people have enough power available to offer you for you to uh, be relieved of your alcoholism. That power needs to manifest and uh, 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 needs to become manifest in you, and it's a power that most people. Uh, uh, certainly all of the early AAs, um, it's a power uh, that they described as the power of God, the power of God's healing. Now, you know, we talked a little bit about uh, the uh, the atheists, we talked a little bit about uh, the people who have a hard time uh, believing in uh, an interventionary deity of one form or another. This manifestation of God... Um, is is the absolute and ultimate recovery from an addictive illness. Uh, the, the spiritual malady, as it manifests, it manifests as a constant yearning and need for a connection to the divine. And you reach outside yourself to drugs and alcohol and gambling and sex and food and spending sprees, you reach outside yourself to try to fill this spiritual void. Filling this spiritual void with God is the ultimate treatment for alcoholism. Mm -hmm. And you know, it's it's an unorthodox treatment for an illness, and, and it's it's misunderstood uh, by so many people. It, it's it's maligned. Uh, people think that uh, the the people who practice these things are part of a cult. Or you know they're religious crackpots. It, it's it's accessing a spiritual power that exists, mm -hmm. and mm -hmm. you, you can call it whatever you want. Uh, you know wh what I call it is I call it the miraculous healing power of uh, 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 of God that um, that I can participate in by trying to align my will with what He would have me do and be, and following some of these simple spiritual exercises places me in uh, proximity uh, to this power, and uh, it's able to manifest through me. I'll never take credit for this power. I'll never say, ah, I've got the power now. I, I think the power moves through me, and it, it is a direct manifestation of God. And, um, and it's not a given. In other words, if I drop, if I drop the spiritual ball, if I if I stop participating in the maintenance of my spiritual condition, this power can kind of dissipate and not and not be you know not not be there at a level that uh, is going to be able to keep me sober. But if I do continue to participate in the spiritual process, that power is is there uh, and has been for very close to twenty years now. I believe very strongly in what you're saying because. Uh, you know, I, I believe that God is there. He is willing. He, he wants to bless me. He wants to 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 give me His power, and it's always His. It's never mine. Uh, but whether I do the certain things that I need to do, these simple these simple rules and so forth, I'm going to shut myself off. I mean, some people say, "Well, then God just stops blessing you." No, I think what I do what, what I do anyway is I shut myself off from the sunlight of the Spirit, meaning His Spirit. And I, it's like a wall, and his blessings just can't get through it because I'm rejecting them by not doing the things that brings those blessings into my life. 
You know, I, I agree. Uh, I agree. There's a there's the great line in the step book that says, "God will not render us white as snow without our cooperation." Yeah. And that 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 sentence haunts me <laughs> because it leads me to how then shall I cooperate? You know, I need to be about the business of cooperating, uh, don't yeah. I, Monty? Yes, you do, <laughs> and I do. Yeah. Abs- absolutely. <laughs> okay. Um, see that God couldn't would if He were sought. There's so many statements in the book. Um, I, I think they, I think they really understood that the alcoholic is going to really have some doubts about if he seeks God, will he find them? Find him. There's a, there's a great line in the twelve and twelve again that says the hoop that you're going to jump through is larger than you think it is. God will not make uh, a too hard terms for those who seek Him. Uh, that God couldn't would if He were sought. We need to be, we need to be about the business of seeking God. And, uh, uh, you know, it's, I think it's through seeking God and continuing to seek God through a lot of these processes, through a lot of these exercises, uh, through meditation and prayer. I think in our continual, uh, continuing goal to seek God uh, and to know more about what God's will is for us, uh, I think that is uh, the best possible atmosphere to be for long-term recovery. Yeah, amen to that. Being convinced we were at step three, uh, so that would lead me to believe that everything up to halfway through page 60 was steps one and two. Yeah. Being convinced we were at step three, which is we decided to turn our will and our life over to the care of God as we understood him. Just what do we mean by that, and just what do we do? Uh, I'm going to tell a story, and then we can, uh, then we can finish up, okay. uh, and we'll pick it up at the first requirement next week, Monty. But I'm going to tell a story. Uh, okay, we're going we're gonna to decide to turn our will and our life over to God as we understand Him. Uh-huh. Uh, we're going to decide. Step three is basically just a decision. But what a lot of people don't understand is they'll do the third step prayer and think that they've turned their will and their life over to God. The decision needs to be followed by commitment and by action. Now, what I mean by that is I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to tell a story that kind of uh, 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 I like to use when, I, when I'm explaining this to, to someone. A chicken and a pig are walking down the road one day, and they see a sign that says, Help Feed the Poor. And the chicken looks over at the pig and says, Hey, hey, pig, that, that's a great idea. Why don't we do that? Why don't we help feed the poor? And the pig looks over at the chicken and says, well, how are we going to do that? And the chicken says to the pig, we'll feed him ham and eggs. <laughs> now, the pig looks down at the chicken and says, hey, that's easy for you to say. All you need to do is make a simple decision to lay a few eggs. I, I, have, to, I have to give my life up to feed them ham. Now, that's the, the, the difference, <laughs> I think, between uh, a decision and the commitment commitment. to turn one's will and life over to the care of God. Yes, yes, we need to make the decision. But if it's not followed up by the commitment to actually do the work to turn your will and your life over to the care of God, you ain't going nowhere. Then it really wasn't a decision at all, was it? (laughs) (laughs) You know, the decision is to live life uh, along spiritual lines or die an alcoholic death. Yeah, there you go. There is no door number C. <laughs> oh, very good. Uh, very, very good. I love that story. 
and, and and how true it is. And a lot of, I I hear folks, and I'm not just talking about in in Alcoholics Anonymous, but it just in life in general. Lots of people make decisions or or are willing, and they 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 kind of talk about it like that is the uh, the crust cover. That's that's all, and and it's kind of an excuse to not go any further. Well, I say this third step prayer every morning. Well, yeah. well, that's great. The, the The issue, though, is is the the third step prayer is basically an, an affirmation. And what an affirmation is is you've already made the, the decision and you're affirming it with a prayer. But if you say the prayer and don't and don't move forward with inventory and um, amends and prayer and meditation, you haven't made any. You know, you haven't made a firm decision. It's not being followed up by commitment and action. Yeah, yeah. Actually, that's that's actually so true. Well, what a great study, uh, as as always. Moving into how it works, and and perhaps for the first time in in many people's lives that are listening, uh, you know, we've gotten up to how it works. Some people, you know, they started how it works. That's that's all they know is how it works, and and uh, and the uh, twelve traditions and the preamble, and we certainly have. Uh, cracked open a a huge container of just what I would consider really the filet mignon of what uh, recovery is all about in the program of Alcoholics Anonymous by going through this entire book page by page, line by line. I think that is really the key to any understanding of any piece of literature or textbook is to read it all, every single word. And I, think, I, I so agree, Monty, yeah. I so agree. I don't really agree with, uh, in support groups, having the shades up on the wall with the, with the steps on them, uh, because that leads a lot of people to believe that they can, work, uh, they can work the steps off the wall. And if you work the steps off the wall, you're going to have an off-the-wall program. Yeah. <laughs> that is very, very true. Now, see, every time I look at those steps on the wall, my home group, I'm going to be thinking about that. <laughs> Take them suckers down. Well, Chris, amen. Uh, thank you so much. And, and of course, thank you for the, uh, the this week's suggested uh, book, The Road to Fellowship, the role of the Emanuel Movement and the Jacoby Club in the development of Alcoholics Anonymous. Folks, you can uh, get that book. Just click on the link here at the webpage. Uh, if you're listening on a portable device or somebody's giving you a CD, simply go to Take12Radio.com and click on uh, Friday's, uh, excuse me, Sunday show, Walking Through the Big Book with Chris Schroeder. Chris, thanks, my friend. You are welcome, Monty. It has been a good time, all of you scallywags out there. So join us next time as together... We walk through the big book. Bye-bye now. This has been a broadcast of KHLT Recovery Broadcasting. <laughs>